All right, what's up, everyone? It's Zach, and today I'm here with a very special guest. I'm here with a returning guest, actually, Daniel G. Daniel, how are you tonight? Hey, Zach. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Glad to have you back on the show. Um, for those of you listening back home, you might recognize Daniel's voice, or you might remember the episode that he was in earlier um, in the podcast's history. But if not, for those of you who might be new to Daniel, he's uh, he's a coach. He's a really awesome person who is now doing his own year emotional competence coaching program. Um, he's been really big on mindset. He has a really inspirational story that um, really impacted me greatly when he when he told it on the first episode about just how he's overcome some obstacles in his personal life. So um, Daniel's a really awesome person. I'm, I'm excited to have him back. So that's a little bit about Daniel and his background. Um, but, you know, it's been, what, probably like a year, year and a half since you've been on the podcast. What's been new since then? Wow. Where to start? How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> So is it a year and a half? Wasn't it like two years or something? Yeah, it, probably closer to two years. Um, I can't remember. I'll have to look up exactly when we when we yeah, had I, you on. I think it was like in the beginning of the of the Corona crisis. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, well, phew, I've been coaching people. I've been coaching men. I've been helping people overcome uh, addictions. And I, on the side, I developed my own coaching program, as you said, Own Your Emotional Competence, OEC, which is specified or, or specialized for men and men and our emotions. Because yeah. uh, the reason for that is that all we do too much, uh, is it drinking or is it too much porn or is it too much sport or even too much work? It, it's only a symptom for, for something that's wrong on an emotional level. And mm. uh, let's say classical psychotherapy always looks at an emotion as something separated from, from the outside world, something separated from the, the real life. Okay. And with, with the systems, oh, this is not from me. This has been developed like 40 years ago. That uh, it's called a um, short focus, short client focused therapy. It's not, I'm just using similar techniques. So the thing is that every emotion has something to do with our real life. There's mm -hmm. nothing, it's not something like abstract inside us that has to be analyzed, but it's something that either make our life happen the way it is, or it make it creates an emotion. So and we men, especially the men in my generation, let's say 40 plus, we, are, we have been brought up in a way that we don't show our emotions. And emotions right. is something bad, especially for a man. And if you show emotions, if you cry, or if you just, yeah, if you just lift them openly, you're not a real man. Right. And uh, I try to uh, fix that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good goal to to try to fix that, like you said, that stigma. Because even um, even myself, I'm I'm 27. I feel like when I grew up, and even like a lot of my peers, we also kind of have that, you know, fear or stigma as a male of like, you know, you can't show emotions or you can't be emotional. Yeah, it's still so in your generation, it's still there. I thought that yeah. younger men have are more open with that uh, topic but apparently not, not I, really 
No, I would say a little bit. You know, maybe my generation, like more so than than your generation, for example. But I think the generation after mine um, would be the the more kind of open to the emotions and everything. Um, and I, I think it's important to be open to emotions. But I know that throughout my life, I, I haven't always, you know, allowed myself to uh, to have those emotions, or I, I thought I'd be, you know, judged or looked differently for admitting to having emotions. Yeah. Uh, and if you if you look at it from a let's say a, a quantum physical level, okay. Uh, um, so very short, the quantum mechanics or the quantum physics tells us that everything is basically one space. So the right. whole universe is one big space filled with information. And if you look at an, an atom, which is basically ninety nine point nine 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 and i think it was eight times nine after the dot um percent of of pure air or pure nothing information and only this zero one zero point zero 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 one percent of matter so we can say that we too are just space and as mm-hmm. space you cannot defer space that we are and the space that the universe is. So everything we do, everything we think, everything we feel, and here it comes, influences the whole space. So, right. And, and very uh, simplified is if, if, you, if you don't allow your emotions to come up, they're still there and they have a negative influence on your life. Same right. thing is if you're always negative, if you stand up in the morning, uh, and you're like, uh, life is full of crap. And today I'm going to meet nothing but idiots. Well, guess what's going to happen? You will meet nothing but idiots. And at the end of the day, you come home and say, yeah, I knew it. Life sucks. But on the other hand, if you try to live your emotions and if you're angry, you're angry. If you're sad, you're sad. If you're happy, you're happy. Then life is truthful. And then you can come up with actually the emotions you want because and now we go more in a, in a spiritual uh, level that we are not our emotions and we are not our thoughts. The proof mm. of that is try to feel nothing or try to think nothing. It's impossible. It right. always thinks the whole, the whole time. You cannot not think or you cannot not feel. Right. What I mean by that is we are a higher being on a journey in a body. We don't are that body. We own that body. It's like a vessel. And with that vessel comes an ego, comes thought, and comes emotions. So uh, the goal of this coaching and the goal of many other people doing that is that we become kind of the CEO of our emotions. And then we are able to manage our space and we are able to influence our life and the life of others positively. When you say like become the CEO of our emotions, do you, do you mean just like for us to be in complete control of our emotions? No, um, you, you as a CEO, you're not in complete control of, of your employees. I mean, if oh, you're true. a decent okay. CEO, if you're right. not a, a micromanager or something like that. But <laughs> what I mean by that is that we are aware that emotions are part of the deal, part of the game. Okay. 
And instead of pushing them away, we work with them. Mm-hmm. We use them to our advantages. Or uh, let's take the example of a CEO having employees. So one employee is good at Excel, let's say, and another employee is good at marketing. Uh, so you, you don't going to put the Excel guy in sales and the other way around. So right. same with emotions. If you're sad, there is a reason why you're sad. Mm-hmm. So let's look at the sadness. Let's allow the sadness to be there. And then you have the power to look at it. If you push it away, you're never going to find out why you're sad. Right. You keep pushing things down. You keep purring uh, things inside you. And we all know what comes out of it. Yeah. Nothing good. <laughs> right. That that is very that's a very interesting way to look at it. And it makes a lot of sense to just have that awareness of kind of your emotions and everything. And a question that I have, Daniel, is like, are emotions good or bad? Or are they just they just are what they are? Let me ask you a, a question back. If Okay. If you feel sad because mm-hmm. let's say your girlfriend just quit you. Mm-hmm. Is this a bad emotion or is this just an emotion that makes you feel sad? Um, I guess it would just be an emotion that makes me feel sad. Exactly. Okay. Because there, there is no such thing as bad or good emotions. Right. These are just emotions. I mean, mm-hmm. if, you, if you watch a movie that makes you cry, You're sad too, but this is beautiful, right? Right. Um, And sometimes you're happy, uh, but you have no reason. So is that a bad emotion because there is no reason behind it? Or is it just an emotion? Mm, Yeah, just an emotion. But we have been trained and we have been, uh, I mean, it's a lot by by society, but also by... by, uh, uh, advertisement etc by hollywood movies that there are bad and good emotions but if you look at it these are just emotions these yeah. are part of you and part of me it's like i'm having a big nose and you're having a small nose is a small <laughs> nose bad is a big nose bad no it's just the no. fact. it's the way it is it's part of the package okay okay so you know i think kind of going back to something you talked about earlier about kind of like the the stigma of being emotional and having emotions i think everyone has maybe heard whether it's personally or from like a movie or tv show that someone's being too emotional is it possible to be too emotional or is it really kind of like the more emotional the better almost like um we have to differentiate between having emotions and living our emotions in a in an open way and okay. being emotional i mean uh if i'm being emotional all the time let's say uh as a man if i'm crying all the time because of everything um i don't think any decent woman would still like me right right because it's call me old school but it's still like that. Um, no woman wants a weak man. Right. They want strong men, but not strong with muscles. Not like a Terminator kind of guy, <laughs> but more 
a man that owns himself, that he knows who he is, he knows his emotions, he knows his thoughts, he knows his qualities and his flaws. And that's not being emotional. That's being in charge. Right. And being emotional, I personally think, but this is really personal, there is no, no measurement of this. As a man, being too much emotional doesn't serve either us nor our environment. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's kind of being emotional has also something of acting. You mm -hmm. know, it's not really a truth, a true emotion. Most of the time it's silent. If you're really sad, you cry silently. If you're truly happy from within, there's nothing happening on the outside. Yeah. But being emotional for me, again, it's my personal opinion, is um, something that we act a little bit to show okay. up. Or women do that too if they want to transmit the message to us because we don't get it once more. Uh, so they become emotional so we notice, oh, this is important. I'd better listen. Yeah. But I don't think that a real man, a true man who is centered, who is self-aware and self-confident has the need or the desire to, to be emotional. Not at all. Right. Okay. Daniel, I want to ask you a question kind of like, I guess it's maybe like a personal question about, about myself or just when I'm having this conversation with you and thinking about emotions, something that came to mind is like, throughout my life, you know, if, if something really good's happening, like I just got a promotion at work or I just graduated school or, you know, whatever it might be, I get really, really happy. I'm super excited. I have all these, you know, just feelings of, of happiness and excitement and everything. But then, you know, if something bad happens, if, you know, I get out of a relationship or, you know, fail a test or get yelled at at work, whatever, I get really just like sad and, I feel, you know, maybe upset or frustrated. So it's kind of like I experience the ultimate highs and the ultimate lows. Now, with that being said, is that something where you think like that's because maybe I'm not fully aware of my own emotions? Um, I think you, you're, um, if I can say that like that, uh, you're too attached to them. Okay. Uh, the positive and, and the negative emotion. So yeah. the, the happiness and the sadness. The thing is this, if, you, if you're aware of emotions being there, as I said before, emotions being part of the package as a mm -hmm. human being, then you're aware also that they will come and pass. Right. And now we go perhaps a little bit in the, in the Buddhist philosophy that says, don't attach yourself to anything because everything will pass anyway. You're not happy all the time. You're not right. sad all the time. So why attaching yourself to it? Mm. It's like you would attach yourself to food. Right. You eat it, it's gone. It's gasoline for your body. So you move on, you, you can live your life but it's nothing you, you're attached to. Otherwise, you, you wouldn't be able to eat, right? Right. Does that answer the question? It does, yeah. I mean, just the idea of attachment, that's something that 
I haven't really thought too much of just in, in general. And I think that's a really good point about being too attached to those emotions, whether that's the happiness or the sadness, but also just, I think that philosophy of like, just not being attached to things in general um, is, is kind of eye-opening. What perhaps helps or what helps a lot of clients of mine is that you think about yourself as being the observer of sack. You're not sack. You're mm. a higher consciousness going through this life, this physical three-dimensional life as sack. Yeah. But you're not that young man, right? Right. You're something else. You're uh, an energy drop or you, whatever you want to call it, the soul or higher consciousness. There are thousands of names of it. Um, every culture names it differently, but that doesn't really matter. We all talk about the same thing. And if you imagine yourself being that observer, that helps you to detach yourself from it. And you become more, let's say, neutral, um, in face of, of all these challenges that life brings us. And what certainly helps a lot is uh, meditation. Because when we meditate, we, we detach ourselves from the body, from the pain, from uh, everyday's life, from unpaid bills, from women, from whatever. Mm -hmm. And we become that silent spirit kind of thing. And uh, it, I mean, there are different forms of meditations. Uh, it's worth to try. It's very easy to learn. It's not that difficult. People have often the idea that they're not allowed to think or when the mind wanders around, it's a failure. But the mind is designed to wander. Again, right. we are not our mind. It's a thing. The Buddhist compares it to a monkey hanging itself from tree to tree, from branch <laughs> to branch, and it doesn't, the thing doesn't stop. Right. But the thing with meditation is that you keep calling it back. A good way to meditate, for example, is to just focus on your breathing. Okay. All, you breathe normally, you sit somewhere, you breathe, and you just focus fully on your breath. And when the mind starts wandering, you just get it back. Now we're keeping focused on our breathing. And then it wanders again and you go get it back and it wanders again, you'll get it back. That's meditation. Mm. And with that thought, meditation becomes very easy because all you have to do is just keep getting your focus back on your breathing. That's meditation. Right. And that helps a lot to detach yourself from that whole game because it's a game. You come to this world, some cultures even say that you come to this world, you choose the life you have. So you were in that ocean of energy and then you chose, okay, I want to be sack for some reason. Mm -hmm. and you choose your parents, you choose that life. And that personally, that thought helps me tremendously when I'm in a challenging situation. Uh, for example, uh, there's a lot of things going on in the world these days, a lot of frightening things. Right. And when I get frightened, that's not very often the case because it doesn't serve me very well, fear. But it sometimes happens. You read some news and say, oh, my God, what's going to happen? What's going to come? And then I tell myself, okay, 
I chose that life. I don't know why, I don't know how, but I chose it. So, okay, there's a reason why I'm here right now in this life, in the 21st century, in the middle of Europe, as a 50-year-old man. That's a reason. I don't know what, and that helps me to detach. So the more we become detached, the more we become the observer of our thoughts and emotions, and the more we can handle them. It's like um, a car. You're not a car. You're the driver. Right. And if something wrong with the car, you don't think, oh, something's wrong with me. No, the car just needs to be fixed. So you get it to a mechanic, he fixes the car, and you, you're off again. And the same thing is it's with us. If something is wrong, then we fix it. And a lot of people still think that it's something bad if they need to fix something in their life, then they're weak or it's something wrong with them or the other people will laugh at them or something like that. And I spend a lot of time as a coach uh, trying to explain that this is not something wrong. I mean, every sports guy has at least one coach. Right. So there's nothing wrong in hiring someone to help us overcome certain challenges. That's a really good way to look at it because I think a lot of people think like, oh, I don't want to ask for help or I don't need a coach or I don't need a counselor or I don't need whatever because there's maybe there's that thought of like being embarrassed or like just that you're not good enough if you need one. But I think that's a really good analogy that like any athlete, like professional athlete or, you know, musician or actor, you know, they usually have a coach, at least one coach who's helping them, you know, with aspects to to be the best that they can be exactly or you look at it like hiring a pro um if something's wrong with your computer you don't try to fix it yourself you get a pro if something wrong with your car you get a pro yeah right Uh, and if something wrong with ourselves why don't we get a pro it's the same thing it needs to be fixed so spend some money and fix it Yeah, and that, it's funny that you said that because I think like, you know, if something happens to your car, you know, it might suck, but it wouldn't be too difficult for people to be like, all right, I guess I'm going to go spend $500 to fix my car. But if there's something wrong with us, I feel like a lot of the times we, we don't want to spend any money if it involves fixing ourselves because it's not like it's not as easy, I guess, to conceptualize like fixing a car. Yeah, and, and the thing is... Oh... It's our ego that doesn't want us to Mm. uh, one point to get in pain because we know if we have to look at certain things, it's going to hurt. Yeah. And on on the other side, then it's going to hurt our ego too because we think we're the best and everything is fine. And then someone comes and says, no, dude, not everything is fine. Look at this. Look at that. How about we talk about this? So Mm -hmm. then the ego gets a hit. And, but I always say that the pain you go through in a therapy or in a coaching is not, not even close to the lifelong or year-long pain you inflict on yourself by mm-hmm. not looking at it, by burying your emotions, by pushing them away, by drinking too much, by whatever you do to not think about this. Yeah. 
that's way more painful over a longer period of time than if you sit down with a pro, you talk about it, it's going to hurt, but it's short and then it's over and then it's out in the light and you can look at it and say, okay, let's fix it. Yeah. But again, this is all because we, we are attached to our emotions, negative and positive ones. Mm -hmm. And we get even addicted to emotions, yeah. especially the negative ones. We get up in the morning. Uh, first thing we say, oh, my life sucks. Of course, then your life sucks. It's up on us to, to create our lives by thoughts and emotions. It's not the emotions guiding us. It should be the other way around. Yes. The best way to do would be kind of what you're saying, to, to be the observer and to detach. Yeah. And, and to not be afraid of any emotion. They come, they mm -hmm. go. Look at them. There's a reason why they're there. It's, it's like the, the husband yelling at his wife because he's angry. Now, what was first? Did he yell and that made him angry? Or was he angry and then he yells? Mm -hmm. And if you're not looking at that ob uh, objectively, then you're not going to solve that. And right. as you cannot talk with your wife because she's involved, it makes sense to, to get someone on from the external world world that who has nothing to do with you. Right. Who's, whether your brother, not your friend, nobody. So he can look at the situation from a different point of view. And then he can say, yeah, but she makes you angry because of this and that and that. And you make her angry because of this and this and that. And then both say, oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, dude, we never looked at it this way. <laughs> right. And that, that's what coaching basically is. Yeah. Okay. So, Daniel, let me ask, like, how, how does someone know that they need a coach or that they should reach out to a coach? Like, I guess, is there anything that... You know, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking like, oh, like, I don't know, is, is a coach something I need or not? Like, how, how can we tell whether that's something that we, we actually need? It's very simple. Can you solve the problem yourself? Yes or no. If no, you need someone else to solve it. Okay. Can you fix your car yourself? Yes. Okay, do it. No, hire someone. <laughs> yeah. It's very easy. <laughs> when but, you say it that way, I mean, it is very easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It sounds very easy because now I, I'm used to, to hire a coach if I have a challenge. But yeah. it took me like, when did I hire my first coach? Let me think. I was like 45, 46 years old. Before okay. that, I was the kind of guy uh, thinking that someone who needs a coach is a pussy, especially a man. Because mm -hmm. we men, we solve our problems alone. Because we're the Terminator, right? We don't need a coach. The Terminator doesn't need a coach. Only <laughs> right. the loser need a coach. But I noticed that when I finally uh, took my stubbornness and put it away for a while and hired a coach that I solved things within 12 weeks that I didn't solve before on my own in 20 freaking years. Yeah. So 
that opened my eyes and was like, oh, my God, why didn't I hire a coach before? That's, oh, man. But so if there is this famous questions, if you could back, go back in time, what would you tell your, your 20-year-old self? Mm-hmm. And I would go back and kick his nuts and tell him, hire a coach today, man. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's the way we are. We, we always think, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's society. Maybe it's culture. I don't know, really. But we always think we have to solve everything on our own. And I right. like, really, the analogy with, with the computer or the car or the kitchen sink or whatever. If you have a problem in your kitchen, you freaking call a plumber, right? Right. And he come, you pay him, and he fixes you. He fixes the kitchen and the coach tries to fix you now the difference between a coaching and a plumber is that a good coach doesn't fix you a good coach just helps you so that you can fix yourself Mm. right i cannot help you if i would be your coach i couldn't help you you can't help anybody but i can inspire you i can hold up the mirror so you can have a look at it. I can give you tools that you can use to solve your problem. And if I'm more experienced than you or further down the way than you, which makes sense if you hire a coach, you don't hire someone who has no clue about life. <laughs> um, that's, that's what a coach does. And in the further step, if you, if you then need some to resolve some trauma, then a therapist makes more sense. Right. So uh, that's the difference between a mechanic and a coach. The mechanic fixes the car. The coach helps you to fix yourself. Mm. I don't think I've ever heard coaching described that way, but that makes a lot of sense. That's coaching. Yeah. Everything else is, is sorry to say, it's BS. Look at the, the analogy of the boxing fight. There are two men in the ring or two women and the coaches are outside of the ring, right? They don't right. fight. They're here. They observe you, how you fight. And then you come back after the, the bell and you come in your corner and the coaches then say, hey, did you see uh, your opponent always let mm. his left hand down? Why don't you try a left hook? But yeah. To go in the ring in the next round and to hit the other one, that's the job of the boxer, not of the coach. Yeah. But unfortunately, there are a lot of coaches who actually fight the fights for their coaches, which is, in my opinion, not really good because it, it creates a dependency. Right. And if I coach you or if I would coach you, it's a limited time span. So you have a problem. You come to me, I try to give you tools or give you point of views and inspiration so that you can solve this problem and then you don't need me anymore. That's coaching. That's really important to note because I think like the idea of creating dependency like that just it doesn't sound like an ideal situation for anyone. And I think, like you said, your goal is to help you know, people so that they can solve their problems and then they don't need you. You don't want to, you know, be coaching someone for the rest of their life, right? Like you want to just... Oh, no, please, no. (laughs) No. The same thing, if I have a challenge, 
I call my mentor and coach and say, hey, I need a session or I need three sessions or I need some sessions with you. There is something I, I cannot solve on my own. Mm -hmm. And then I pay him and then we solve it. And I say, thank you very much. See you next time. Yeah. That's how it works. I think that's how it should work. But yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think it's a, it's interesting to hear this perspective of coaching because I think uh, maybe it's just because I live in America and, you know, in the States, it almost seems like when you see coaching on social media or whatever, it's like, oh, I'm going to work with you for, you know, the rest of your life, or even I'm going to work with you for the next like couple of years or whatever. And it's like, I feel like a good coach, kind of like you're saying, you shouldn't like need to create that dependence here. You shouldn't need that coach for the rest of your life if you're doing truly a good job with what they're helping you with. I mean, the, the time span can be a couple of years. If you build okay. up a business and you hire a business coach for that to help you, building up a decent business takes time. So you might need that business coach over the time span of several years, of course. Okay. It depends on the kind of coaching, but it's always time limit. Right. Otherwise, it's not coaching. Otherwise, it's some dependency i mean it, it's the same with with classic psychotherapy you go there for ages you spend a ton of money and then all you know that you have spent a ton of money uh, but you didn't really solve the problem and that's what i call creating a dependency okay i mean it would be good for my wallet <laughs> not, <laughs> that's what not what coaching is right okay so daniel i i feel like you have address this a little bit earlier when we were having the conversation but like if someone is listening to this this podcast and they're like you know everything that daniel's saying everything that you know zach and daniel are talking about makes a lot of sense to me i think i need a coach i need to you know hire someone to help me with this problem or with this thing that i'm going through but i just i can't i can't bring myself to spend the money or i just i'm afraid of spending the money or what if i hire the coach and they don't help me and I feel like I've wasted my money or, you know, whatever the case may be. Let's just say money is like their limiting factor for starting coaching. What, what would you want to tell someone that's, that's struggling with that? Money is always an excuse. Okay. Never a reason. Mm -hmm. Why? Because money is nothing substantial. Money is a form of energy. If, um, let's say you have no money. And okay. I would coach you. That means I give you my energy, right? In form of time, if, in form of my knowledge, in form of my empathy, in form of my love even. Um, you, you give me nothing in return. Right. Um, if, you can, if you could give me the same amount of energy back, you wouldn't need a coach. Mm. So... Of course, it's a business, but yep. in every business, if you go uh, buy groceries, uh, you have to pay them. Right. So you, you get a form of energy in form of food and you give energy back in form of something else. If you had food, you wouldn't need to buy it. Right. That's the thing of coaching. And I, I made the experience because... I'm a human being with a big heart. I, I coach people for free. And most of them, I'd say 99% of all people I coach for free, 
They didn't even either go through all the sessions. They didn't do the homework. They didn't even try the things I proposed to do. And yeah, they don't, they don't do it. They don't do the work. So if I pay my coach, sorry, the expression, a shitload of money for an hour of call, I sure show up. Yeah. I have pen and paper ready. I'm ready. I'm awake. I had my cup of coffee. I went to the bathroom. I'm here. I'm ready. Let's do this because I pay money for it. Yeah. If it's free, you don't show up. You come late. You say, yeah, maybe next time. So mm. that's the, uh, that's the thing about money. And it's only energy. That's why it's an excuse. I, the first time I, I hired a coach, I couldn't afford him. Now, he was so kind to, to propose uh, installment. I think that's the term, install, installment payments. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I couldn't have worked with him. Otherwise, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have these conversations today because I wouldn't be a coach myself. Right, right. Um, but I managed somehow. So uh, there was a big geek coming in or a long lost customer suddenly called and say, can you do this and that for me? So if you decide to do something in life and if you truly take the decision to do it, life will find ways to give you the possibility to do it. So the decision to change your life through therapy, through coaching is not dependent on the money it's dependent on your decision yeah and if you take the decision money doesn't play any role anymore i see it with me i see it with my customers it's the way it works so if you say i have no money okay so let's take the example of the alcohol coaching i do that i think we talked about that in the last session we had yep yeah uh People come to me and say, yeah, but uh, it costs $1,200. That's a lot of money. I say, yeah, that's a lot of money. How much money do you spend per month for booze? Mm. And then it's silence on the other end. And then I insist and say, tell me, how much money do you spend? And then they say, yeah, around eight, $900 a month. There you go. So in one and a half month, the investment, because coaching is an investment in yourself, is ROI. You have ROI in one and a half months. Yeah. So, because he doesn't drink anymore after the training, bingo. But that's why it's an excuse. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Like, I, I like that you said money is always an excuse because even, I, I feel like even if you have, you know, a million dollars, it's very easy for people to say like, oh, like I, you know, I, I don't have the money to afford, you know, this, this coaching, even though it's an investment in myself, even help me just because like you said, money's just an excuse that a lot of people end up using, you know, for better or worse in situations. Mm. Of course I have millionaires amongst my customers too. Yeah. And they also say, what? Okay. That costs $1,200 for the alcohol training. Well, that's a lot of money. Or for my other coaching uh, or on your emotional competence, it's 12 sessions. 
uh, $3,600, no Swiss francs, that's about $3,900. A millionaire even say, oh, that's a lot of money. Because it is, but it's an investment. And there are coaches, they hire 40 grand for a coach or 100 grand. I mean, look at Tony Robbins. I don't know what he charges. Right. A lot of money, but it's an investment in yourself. And Netflix and booze and uh, porn is not an investment. (laughs) Yeah. And Daniel, I love that you're using the word investment because I think a lot of people think like, oh, I I need to invest my money. So I'm going to stocks or I'm going to, you know, whatever, save money or put it in a retirement fund. And yeah, like those are all fine ways to invest. But I think sometimes we forget the the amount of value or the importance that comes out of investing in ourselves. And sometimes we neglect investing in ourselves. And even you know, like a, a good example is like, I, you know, I went to college, um, I went to grad school and I, so I have my master's degree and my, my bachelor's and stuff. And me paying to go to college was investing in myself. So why, why can we like pay a college or university to invest in ourselves, but we struggle with like a coach or a therapist or someone like that when it's pretty much the same principle of investing in ourselves to better ourselves. Yeah. And if you look at all the successful people, the famous one and not so famous one, but all highly achieving, highly successful people, they all invest money in themselves. Yeah. Is it education or is it spiritual involvement or is it coaching or therapy? All of them. And if you have a look at unsuccessful people moaning and whining all the time and uh, blaming the whole world for their life, they don't invest $1 in themselves. Right. So there it is. Yeah. No, I think that it's it's really eye-opening to just have this conversation, to think about it in that perspective and just to see the kind of value that comes out of investing in yourself and working with with coaches and learning from them or you know therapists or whatever the case may be but just having that like you said external person that is kind of they they actually are an observer and they're observing you and kind of helping guide you for you to solve your own problem exactly and i mean but i understand also the the hesitation because the market is flooded with, with so-called coaches. Sure. Uh, don't get me wrong. There are very good coaches out there, very competent and very knowledgeable and everything. But there are a lot, a lot of people who call themselves coaches, but they're not. And that makes it enormously difficult to, to choose the right one and to spend money on the right code. Because, of course, if you spend money on someone who can't help you really, that's lost money right i mean if you if you buy uh, a used car and it's crap then you lost your money too so right uh, that's life yeah and take the time to choose wisely uh have a call with the coach uh, ask him questions ask him about experience testimonials um ask him about clients he worked with that can tell you something about the coach and then you, you, you make the right choice. And people who refuse to, to tell you with whom they worked, I mean, why should they? 
Why should a good coach refuse to tell to tell you about his customers? I mean, right. there is a, a certain secrecy and, and privacy, of course, but right. that's why we do testimonials. That's why we ask our clients for testimonials because <clears throat> that's the only way we can prove that we know our craft. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And that's really good advice. Like if you are looking to hire a coach, like have a call with them, ask them questions, you know, don't, it, it, it is, it can be a big, you know, decision and, and everything. So just like take your time and make sure that you're connecting with a coach that uh, you really feel kind of that connection with. Yeah. And maybe another advice would be that never hire a coach who tries to sell you something. Okay. Um, because a good coach will will point at your problem because he's, he or she sees where the challenge is by asking you some questions. And then you notice, okay, wow, he knows my challenge. And if he knows now how to solve that, then you hire him without being convinced. And yeah. I meet a lot of coaches too. They try to sell me their coaching. Uh, I mean, come on, really? <laughs> a pitch here? They don't even know if I need them, you know? They just try to sell me their coachings. And yeah, so that's the criteria I would use to choose a good coach or to deny yeah. something like that. It's not like a car, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay. Awesome. And, you know, Daniel, I know that you've mentioned the, the emotional coaching you do, the alcohol coaching. Is there any other coaching that you're doing at the moment? No, I think that's <laughs> okay. That's plenty enough. Yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> do you, just out of curiosity, like, do you, do you prefer coaching kind of the one of those versus the other? Or do you, do you kind of find passion and enjoyment out of coaching clients in both situations? In both situations. Um, okay. But I maybe should mention I exclusively coach men. I don't right. coach women. Okay. That's nothing Is... uh, sexist or gender or whatever. Uh, it just feels better to coach men. And men usually feel better to be coached by another man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that that, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I know, I, like, I, I've talked to you plenty of times. I know you're not a you know, a, a sexist or, or terrible person by any means. But I think that, like you said, you know, from your experiences as a man, you know, with and to anyone who maybe didn't catch the first episode with Daniel, he talks about how he himself struggled with addiction and, and things like alcohol. So he, when it comes to coaching, he can kind of share his own experiences. And with emotions, he can share his experiences as a man and how it's been tough to kind of show those emotions. So I think it makes sense that that's kind of like your you know, target demographic or, or the clientele that you, you take on. Yes, exactly. Okay. Awesome. So I guess when it, when it comes to the coaching, um, other than, you know, just having the male clientele that you coach, like what else kind of makes like an ideal client um, that you work with? Or like if someone listening to this is thinking that like you might be a good fit for a coach, like what would, make that a good like coaching coachy relationship or dynamic so you're a man you're i'd say between 35 and 55 years old okay 
um, you have a challenge that you can't solve. Um, you, for example, always stumble over the neck, over the, the same emotions that knock you down, or you have always the same situations that you, you can't handle. Um, you're about to lose your job. You're about to lose your family. You're about to lose something, but you can't, you don't know how to not lose it. Mm -hmm. And that's usually an emotional issue. That's usually an emotional management issue, as I, as I call it. And that would make us a good fit. But um, we need to talk first. So right. we'll, we'll have a talk, half an hour, an hour, and then we find out both if we are a good fit or not. Right. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, and that kind of gives a good idea of what kind of like that maybe ideal client might look like and i think like you said going back to what we were talking about just a few minutes ago like have that call like you have to have that call to make sure it's a good fit you know the the, the potential client thinks you're a good fit as a coach but you also think like you're able to actually help that individual because like i know you i know that if you don't think you can actually help them then you you won't want to you know waste their time or their money or anything i know oh. that you're you know you're gonna do what's best for the situation for that individual yeah and I have a good network of coaches, so if I can't help, I probably know someone who can. Okay, perfect, so, yeah. yeah. Reach out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what's what's the best way for people to connect with you and reach out to you, Dan? Um, so I'm, uh, I'm on LinkedIn daily. Okay. Um, you have my profile link, I think. Yep. I think, otherwise I'll give it to you. Um, and then there is uh, danielg.online. Okay which is the emotional coaching and the other is quitthebottle.com. Obviously it's clear for what that website is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so, yeah, you find me and I'm sure you will share my links. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. That's the way to, and then just, if you're on LinkedIn or so, uh, just write me a message. Okay. Say, Hi, I heard you on this podcast by Zach and, uh, and we have a chat. Okay. Oh, and I, I won't sell you anything. Don't worry. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, like Daniel said, I will put uh, his LinkedIn profile and his uh, both the websites for the different coachings, the emotional coaching and the um, the alcohol coaching. I will put those in the description of the episode. So if you didn't catch him saying them out loud, just go to the description, click them there um, for LinkedIn. You know, you can you can add Daniel as a you know as a as a uh, connection you can message him um i can attest that he is on there daily i see him posting all the time um whether that's word posts or, or videos talking about things I, I think uh he does a really good job engaging with people and, and providing value so even if you you know maybe coaching's not right for you or maybe it's not the right time for you just checking out his linkedin i think you get a lot of value from that yeah i'd say so. awesome Perfect. Well, Daniel, one one last question that I want to ask you. Um, you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, kind of that age-old question of like, what would you tell your younger self? Or like, if you could tell your 20-year-old self, what would you tell yourself? And I know that you mentioned, like for you, you would tell, you know, your 20-year-old self, like, go get a coach, go get a coach right now. <laughs> so I love that you had that. And I, I, I want to kind of reverse the question a little bit and say, you know, as someone that is you know a little bit older than myself 
I, you know, I'm 27 now. I'm kind of in that stage of life where I'm, I'm figuring things out. You know, I'm still, I might feel old, but people tell me I'm young. What, what advice would you want to tell me? Like if I, I guess like imagine me as your 27 year old self, like what kind of advice would you want to tell me or to anyone listening that's in their twenties, just whether it's life advice about anything. Your resources, um, no, the other way around. Um, your emotions are not an issue, but a resource. Hmm. So don't be afraid of them. And look at your challenges of life as what they are, challenges, not problems, not issues. There's nothing wrong with being a young human being. There's nothing wrong in struggle. There's nothing wrong in not understanding life. There's nothing wrong in having emotions, negative and positive. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what's called human being. And if you look at it that way, then it becomes a challenge. Get your car fixed if it has a problem. Yeah. I love it. That, man, Daniel, you've said so many things today that I'm just going to sit with for the next couple of days and really just try to, you know, incorporate in my life or, or really be conscious of whether that's things like being the observer or trying to meditate more or just, um, you know, not viewing things as problems or issues, but as, as challenges. And whenever you have a challenge, you have the opportunity to overcome that challenge. Yeah. We're here to grow. We're, uh, we don't come into this life as human being perfect. We right. come here to learn and to grow and to struggle and to fail and to succeed. That's all part of the, of life. Mm -hmm. There is this, this saying, I think it was a, uh, a British comedian who said that we are the universe experiencing itself through infinite points of view. Hmm. So we come here to gather experiences. We come here to struggle. We come here to fail. We come here to succeed. We come here to learn. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. I love it. There, there's nothing wrong. It's meant to be that way. Right. That's just the experience of being a human being. Yeah. And if you look at it that way, it becomes awesome and amazing. And in the literal meaning of the word awesome, because you're starting to get in awe. You're like, wow. What? Yeah. And that's life. It's kind of like if you get to that stage or when you get there, everything just clicks and things make sense. And like you said, it's you just become in awe of how much more clearly you're seeing things. Yeah. And even if you don't clear, see clear, fine. Then you don't see clear. So what? Right. Yeah, you know, that's there, okay too. There is there is no reason to life. The reason of life is to be alive. That's the yeah. only reason. That's it, period. And if you don't see clear, there is a reason why you don't see clear. Because maybe you're not ready to see the truth in that particular mm -hmm. field. Or um, you don't want to see it for some reason. And then you see clear. But then again, as soon as you see something clear other things become blurry or yeah. there are new things you didn't see before because you had to see first that thing. And now you're able to not see the next thing. 
So you right. start again learning, oh, okay, there's another thing blurry. Let's clear it up. That's life. That's life. <laughs> that's just the, the thing that we go through, and that's, that's how life is. Enjoy the ride, man. Might as well, right? Yeah, of course. Why not? Why not? Yeah, it's a ride. Not? Why not enjoying it? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Daniel, it has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad that we could connect again and that yeah, I could bring you back on the podcast. And just, you know, I feel like a different person from, from two years ago when we last talked. And I, I feel a different kind of sense of energy coming from you um, from last time we, we did a podcast. So it's just cool to see growth on both of our ends and to hear what you're up to and to see you know the coaching that you're doing and the lives you're impacting through it so it's, it's just really been a pleasure to to have you back here on the podcast you see that's uh, you just said it that's life we're all living we're all experiencing we're all growing yeah there is no human being who is done never right it's always ongoing it's always ongoing and yeah cool. Until it is the last the last exhale right <laughs> exactly <laughs> awesome well daniel uh, any any thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with tonight enjoy the ride you chose to be here so enjoy the ride yeah you chose you might not know why you chose exactly yeah. what you chose as daniel we mentioned have, earlier but we have no clue it. but enjoy the ride <laughs> exactly enjoy the ride so to everyone listening enjoy the ride you know you're here for a reason you're here for a purpose and just you might as well enjoy the ride while you while you can i know that i'm going to start making sure that i'm enjoying that ride and daniel i i expect you to enjoy the ride as well i do and if you're not able to enjoy the ride for what for whatever reason reach out yeah definitely reach out and again all of daniel's uh websites and profile for uh, linkedin are going to be in the description of the episode so reach out to daniel let him know that you heard him on the podcast. Let him know that uh, he's he's doing some really cool things and, and check out what he's doing and, and maybe he might be your coach. Maybe. All right. Well, Daniel, thank you again. I'll catch you later, okay? Thank you too. Bye. Bye.